It's going to be a good day. I'm glad that you guys are all here. And I want to know right off the bat, I'm going to ask you an awkward question. And I want you to play and respond out loud to me. What do you think of when you hear the word evangelism? Sharing. TV. Yikes. I got a yikes, an honest yikes up front. People what? People by the pier. Anger, I heard. Preaching. Money. Soapbox. Crusade. Fanatics. Maybe some Billy Graham. But you can see the spectrum, right? From a Billy Graham, from a sharing, all the way to fanatics and anger, right? And, uh, and everywhere in between. And we've probably all had encounters with people that have given us either a good look at that or a, a negative view of that word. But I want to start off, just if, we, if you can, just put away your stigma for a moment and entertain the thought, the reality, that we're all evangelists. You don't have to go very far. You just go on Facebook for a minute and you will see evangelists. You will see evangelists for UCLA football. It's not as easy as you might have thought this season, but you will see them. Uh, you will see evangelists for all kinds of things. There's evangelists in my life right now for Breaking Bad still. They're like, it changed my life. If before TV was like this, and then I saw Breaking Bad, and then TV became this. You know, and I, I, you just have to watch it. And I'm like, I don't have 800 hours to spare watching a whole series. But there are evangelists for that. There's also evangelists for kale. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, already, kale people, right? I'm sure it's the greatest superfood imaginable that just goes with anything. But I don't want to hear about your kale, ginger, beet juice drink anymore. I tried it. It's gross. But everyone gets excited about something and talks about it. It's just, we're humans, that's what we do. And you encounter people all the time that have become an evangelist for something, something that means something to them, something that they're excited about, something that they believe in, something that they want to get behind, something that they feel like is worth putting themselves out there and telling you about it. And yet, when it comes to the thing that is the most pivotal, the most important of our lives, the, the thing that we believe, e even if you're here just at church for the first time and you're like, I'm not even sure I believe what you believe, still you will at least recognize that if there's, a, if there's a God who has a purpose for our life, that's pretty important, more than breaking bad, right? And so people that are excited about that and believe that this is, there's a God who changed everything for me, for my life, why is it that we have a difficult time sharing? Well, it's because of the bad experiences that we've had, because of the fears of people that we have, because of the world that we live in and the things that we've all seen and experienced in a number of different ways. And so my hope for this morning is to just reframe the whole conversation so that instead of thinking angry peer people and whatever, that you think something different. And you think instead of, I don't want to be like that and so I'm not going to do anything there's, there's, a, there's a place that you can step into that says, you know what, maybe, maybe this is what God is asking of me. And maybe that's not that hard. 
when, uh, for, for me, it's a very simple thing, and I think, I hope that you see it's a very simple thing, and you know it's a very simple thing, because I found something that helped me in a children's book. <clears throat> now, you'll have to just imagine, your, in your mind, me sitting on a gray chair that kind of rocks and is squishy and nice, uh, with Jack in my lap. He's holding some milk with a straw. He drinks milk every night, so Hillary and I rotate. She would say that she does it 70% of the time. It's more like 50-50. Uh, putting Jack to bed, and we, we sit there and we read him some books. We read him, it's not you're like a pastor, just reads the Bible to him. That's not the, we read Little Blue Truck, just like you. We read, we read all kinds of things to Jack. This is one of them. This is a Bible story book, and I was reading this just this week to Jack, and I thought, brilliant. This, there's, this is it. There's something here actually for me, and maybe you'll have a similar experience. I have a couple of pictures um, Lori, let's throw up the picture of Jack reading his Bible. Look at that. This is the little storybook. That's Jack. We'll, we'll come, walk into the room sometimes and just find him there reading anything. I mean, the phone book. It's just like pages, and he sits there, and he just looks at them, and it's the most precious thing. Uh, so here's the story. It's a story about when a guy named Simon, who became known as Peter, first encountered Jesus. And this is the, the read-aloud Bible stories edition to This is their rendition. Simon had a boat. Every day, Simon got into his boat and went splish, splash, splish, splash out into the water to catch fish. One day, Simon and his friends worked hard all night trying to catch fish. Do you know how many they caught? Lori, do you have a picture of Simon and his friends lowering down a net like that? Yeah, that's what it looks like. You kind of have to cock your head a little uh, to get the full effect, but that's okay because that's what Jack does anyway. He, he, he sits in my lap kind of like that. Not even one. No, not even one fish. Let's go home, they said. So Simon and his friends took back the boat, splish, splash, splish, splash, and put it away. After a while, step, 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 Jesus came along. Now everybody wanted to get close to Jesus. Big people pushed this way. Little people pushed that way. There was so much pushing that Jesus <laughs> got into Simon's boat. Simon, he said, please move your boat out into the water. I want to sit and talk to the people. Well, Simon wanted to please Jesus, so he did what Jesus said. He pushed his boat, splish, splash, splish, splash, out into the water. Jesus sat in the boat. The people stood by the water's edge. Now everyone could see Jesus. Everyone could hear him. Then Jesus talked to them about God. When he was done talking, Jesus said, Simon, take your boat out into deep water to catch some fish. Simon wanted to please Jesus, so he said, we worked hard all night to catch fish. We didn't even catch one. We're professional fishermen here, but... I'll do what you say. So Simon made the boat go out into the water where the water was deep. They lowered their nets, and all at once, the net was full of fish. Big fish, little fish, wiggly fish. Oh, my, Simon said, and he waved for his brother to come and help. The friends came, and they filled their boat with fish, too. Simon looked at all the fish. Where had all the fish come from? Then Jesus told them about something better than catching fish. From now on, Jesus said, you will bring people to me. From now on, you will bring people to me. And that's what he asked of his disciples. From now on, just bring them. Let me meet them. Let them come and see the miraculous catches of fish. Let them come and have encounters with me. Just bring them, and they'll see a few years later, 
Peter, who was in the boat that day, Simon, was renamed Peter, and he wrote a book of the Bible, a few of them called, one's called First Peter, and he says, or two of them, he says, but in your hearts, First Peter chapter 3, revere or honor Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So the guy who Jesus taught, hey, hey, I want you to, I want you to just bring people to me. Peter figured out over the course of his life that the best way to bring people to Jesus was to live a life, it sounds like, to live a life that caused them to ask questions. And when they asked questions, when they expressed interest, when they saw that something was different, when they saw that this person had hope that they wanted, they asked the question and he said, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. For the hope that you have. Not the recited, like, four-point sermon that you have, for the hope that you have, and for the hope that you have. Not your parents' hope, not your priest's hope, your hope. Not the weird person that, like, made you go and share with 10 people when you were in high school before you could have pizza, you know? <laughs> but, like... Your hope, the hope that you have, the, the, the way that God has somehow intersected and changed your life, the way that you have seen things differently, how you've seen God be faithful for you, the freedom that you have from guilt and shame that maybe hung over you in the past like a wet blanket, the way that you used to suffer from anxiety and fear, but now you put your trust in this God and he gives you peace. Share the hope that you have. Be ready when people ask. What's the point of sharing with others? The point of sharing with others, according to Peter, is to share the hope that's in you. The reason why it's not doomsday every day, the reason why you stopped going in your own kind of downward spiral, but trusted God with your life, the hope that is in you. And you might think to yourself, okay, I, I, I get that, but even then, it can still be hard to explain. It can still be difficult to put into words. There are some things in life that just need to be seen or experienced, right? There are, like if you have ever been on the USC campus before a football game, especially if the football game is against Stanford, uh, um, or... or or Notre Dame, or Oregon, or UCLA, right? The place is just flooded with thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and everyone is excited. Everyone's wearing similar things. Some people have their face painted. The band director gets up on a ladder in the center of campus. The whole band surrounds them. They're blaring the music. Everyone's going like this. You wonder where you are, and, and, and there's energy, and there's smoke in the air from barbecues, and everyone walks across the street, and they kick up post thing, and, and, and you just get caught up in it, and even if you're a UCLA person, you're like, this is kind of cool, because it just, it, this is, I, I wouldn't have believed it before, but now <laughs> I see it, I'm experiencing it, and I'm moved, I'm moved by this thing. Even, to take Disney for an example, okay, Disneyland, you try to explain Disneyland to somebody, oh, there's like these mice, and then, um, <laughs> No, that, that's not going to help. Oh, there's, 
There's these like stuffed animals, but they're alive, and there's people in them. Oh, that's weird. Um, there's, there's a castle in the center, but it's like magical. No, uh, no, I, never mind. Here's $400 to get in. You just got to go see it. You just got to experience it for yourself. You know, I don't, you, I can't, I can only explain so much. You just have to have the experience. Or if you uh, eat a, try to eat a Slater's 50-50 burger, you know, with like peanut butter and jelly and ice cream on top of it, try explaining that to a normal, rational human being. You, you can't until you just go and you take like three bites and you're like, wow. And then every other bite, you regret it. But the first three are like, wow, this is delicious. There are some things that you can try to explain and you can have a good strategy and you can get people part of the way, but they just have to experience it. They just have to see it for themselves. They just have to be caught up in it. They just, they just have, that's the only way that they can know. Now, in John chapter 1, Jesus is just kind of breaking onto the scene, and people hadn't heard of him. He wasn't famous yet, but he's walking by this guy named John the Baptist, who was the one who came and like blew the proverbial, like the trumpet, and just said, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. Pay attention. Follow him. And that's what John the Baptist is doing. And people are following John the Baptist, and he's saying, don't, don't even follow me. Follow that guy. And so a few of them start to. And so one guy named Andrew starts to follow, and then he tells his, his brother. And then, and then another guy named Philip tr- starts to follow, and then he goes, and he's telling this guy named Nathaniel. And that's where we pick it up in verse uh, 45. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. The one we've been waiting for for decades and generations and centuries, and we have found the one about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? And in fact, Nazareth was just a podunk town that was known for having false prophets. Nazareth, could anything even good come from there? Why should I even listen to you? The last time I met a guy that was talking about religious things from Nazareth, he was a phony. He took my money. He was on TV for a while, and then he flamed out. He, 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 was, he, was, he was a hoax. I can't trust that. Wait, 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 well, maybe I'll listen to you, but does he teach the Bible this way? Because this is the right way to teach the Bible. And, and does, he, does he wear these kind of clothes, and does he drive that kind of car, and does he... Nazareth? Can anything good come from from Nazareth? Philip responded, come and see. Come and see for yourself. He doesn't try to defend them. He doesn't try to explain it. He just invites. He just says, come and see. And it's an example to us. You don't have to defend. I'm pretty sure God can defend himself. You can share and try to explain, but it's only going to go so far. At some point, you have to invite. Invite. Come and see. You just need to encounter this God who's changed everything for me. I'll explain it the best that I can, but at some point, you just have to intersect with him somehow. I just want to get you closer. Get around other people that, whose lives have been changed. Get around in a place where, where things are happening that are different than the normal just kind of flow of culture. You just have to see it's different. He's different. I just want you to see this God. When we were growing up, my dad worked for an organization called Young Life, and uh, we had young, you know, junior high and high school kids like in our house and all over the place all the time. 
and uh, that's what he did for a living. That's just kind of how our lifestyle was, and we had people living with us, and then we had uh, on the Friday nights, people that didn't have like the greatest families, they would come stay with us and then do like Saturday morning pancake breakfast and things like that. And, and uh, it happened a lot. And recently I got a letter from one of these guys in particular named Esteban. And uh, Lori, if you could throw up Esteban's family picture. He, uh, Esteban was younger than me. He was one of my younger brother's age. He was just one of those guys that was always around. Uh, he, I don't know his family situation. It wasn't the best thing. He didn't grow up with a faith. He grew up as a ladies' man, and uh, he, had that, he had kind of that Latin flair to him that was like, hi, ladies, you know? And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, it, even his name was kind of like uh, alluring. His, he had one of those like, Latin multi-part names. This isn't it, but it, this is what it sounded like to me. It sounded like Esteban Inigo Montoyo Mario Lopez III. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, you know, that. And so, and so he just kind of had a, a way with the ladies, but, but he was also equally interested just in like being around my family and my younger brother. And then uh, after months and maybe a year or two years of him being around the family, uh, my younger brother invited him to go to camp. And so we went to camp one summer, and I was in high school. I was the, the camp counselor. And so I got to be there, and I got to see Esteban. He had, he had two different girlfriends in the first four days of camp. And, and then, like, the last night, he has this, this moment. This thing happens, and he, he, just, he just is feeling differently, and he, he needs something else. And I, I wrote down what I remembered him saying. He said... Uh, came and sat with me, he wanted to talk. He said, I get girls easily, but it's not satisfying. 13. <laughs> 13. Uh, I get girls easily, but it's not satisfying. I think what I'm really searching for is God. And so I got to pray with him in that moment, and then this is his family now. They, they do ministry on a huge college campus, and uh, I could list off for you uh, an awful lot of people whose lives have been impacted, not necessarily by me. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I was just there. It was the investment of my younger brother and my family in this kid's life for a period of time that, that changed things, that, got, that introduced him to help him intersect with God. And there's so many, so many of you are here as a result of someone who lived a life in front of you and then at some point invited you, whether it was to a church or to a meeting or to coffee or to dinner or to a camp or, or whatever it was, and you intersected God in a way that changed you forever. That's why what we talk about around here a lot is this idea of invest and invite. Invest and invite. Because the old adage is true. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That's why we have been offended when someone just comes at us and just tells us that we're wrong, tells us that our belief system is wrong or whatever without a relationship. But as we invest in relationships, we build trust with people, and they're going to see. They're going to intersect with the God who gives you hope, and they are going to ask questions. Some of you are the more like bold type, and you're just like, I'm going to tell this person this is my moment. I'm going to tell them like it is which is great, and that's right in some situations. But if you find yourself in the position where you're always the telling, challenging, aggressive type, the aggressive one, you might want to step back and ask yourself, is my life compelling enough for other people to ask me questions? Or do I just feel like i got to tell, tell, tell all the time? 
Because Peter said, you should live in such a way that when people ask you questions about why you're different, about why you're magnetic, about why you're so strong in the midst of chaos, about why you're steadfast, about why you're joyful, that you're prepared to share with them the hope that is in you, that your life has intersected the God of the universe, that you're not perfect, you're a mess, in fact, but the story of God is that he chose in the middle of the mess to reach out and enter in and to offer a relationship with himself. That's what Jesus is all about, paying for your mess and saying, I want to be with you. You're not going to be perfect even from this day going forward, but I'm with you. You're with me. We're in this thing together. That's the hope that we have. That's the peace that you enjoy. That's the grace that we live in. And so we invest in the lives of other people. And then we invite and we say, come and see. I just want you to get an experience with this God who changes everything. There's a friend of ours who has been coming to our church just in this past year, and she has had her life radically transformed uh, recently, and I wanted her to come share a glimpse of her story. Would you please welcome Christine? Very much. Christine, give us a glimpse. Just give us, share with us your story and how you came to be here. And Yeah. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here today. Um, to share my story with everyone, so um, thank you for having me. And um, many years ago, I didn't know, you know, I had kind of lost my faith in God. I was questioning my faith in God. I didn't make logical sense. I couldn't make logical sense of the Bible stories. And so I kind of felt like I needed to separate myself from uh, church and from the Bible and, and that path. And what I found was yoga. And for 13 years, I have been practicing yoga, and in just in this past year, I have been teaching yoga, which has been such a blessing to me. I teach at a local studio and also to men with addictions. And I have seen so many trans so much transformation in, in just the, sh the knowledge that I get to share with other people, the understanding of the way the human body is designed and how we're functioning, how we are able to function on an everyday uh, level. And that, to me, has really so much stress within me. and created so much peace within my heart as well. And, um, but there was still something that was missing in my life. And it was on a spiritual level. I didn't have love for myself completely. And I was hiding, um, terrified of rejection and doubt in my own capabilities. And I suffered from uncontrollable emotions at times. And I just felt lost. And in this past March, Bill Laser, one of the one, one gentleman who's been coming since Mariners in Huntington Beach has been open. He invited me. He's a student of mine at my at the yoga studio, and he invited me to come to Mariners and experience. And the very first service I came to in March, I remember I just I felt I filled with tears by the time I was done because the music, the worship was beautiful and. The messages were so uplifting and power, empowering, such a great sense of humor, so that's always um, helpful. And, um, and just the love that was surrounding me in this church. So um, what a blessing to, to experience that feeling, those feelings. And so April came around and I decided to join Rooted. And my uh, group leaders, Carrie and Tony, are just absolutely fantastic with encouraging and um, and uh, having so much compassion for each one of my group members. 
and myself. Uh, what a journey that has been, the 10-week program. All of my, it was so um, amazing for me to come because um, I can see in my group members that everybody was, had some sort of um, overwhelming feeling of emotion at some point in their broken lives and everybody also, like myself, was trying to do the right thing, to do, uh, to do something that was good and right for everybody. And so throughout this 10-week program, I really felt a huge amount of transformation in myself uh, just trying to f find love. But time came where I was deciding whether I wanted to be baptized or not and I come home from teaching yoga one day and I remember parking my car this day and I was just feeling like, do I want to put all of my faith in this or not? And, um, and I was just feeling all that suffering, emotion, that, um, that weight, that burden on my shoulders and I remember as I parked my car, I just started crying, I just let it all, all my emotions just release and I looked up, I remember, in my car and I said, Jesus, it said, thank you for dying on the cross for, for my sins. And I know that that was such a selfless thing for you to do. And because of that, my sins and all my stress and burden are forgiven. And I want to give you this burden that I'm holding within my, trapping within myself. And, um, and because I had that trust, because I had that trust that he was forgiving me, I could release it, I could let it go, and I felt myself feeling free from all of that hardship. And, um, hmm. and at that moment, of course, is when I decided that I had to go through with this baptism because this is, <laughs> this is so much, you know, for, you know, so good for me and nourishing my spirit, my soul. And so I did, and um, since then, with enthusiasm, I have been inviting friends, neighbors who I consider family to me, and, um, and I have other friends, you know, who are wanting to come to Mariners and just haven't had the right opportunity or right chance for them, and mm. even though some people, you know, they, they, they don't seem interested right now, or maybe they feel discouraged in their own ways, I don't hold it against them. I still feel so comfortable in, you know, in inviting them because... Mm. I know that what I feel, what I have felt from being able to put all my trust in Jesus, it, where it has brought me is, is so, so much um, freedom in life. That's and awesome. I encourage everybody you know, to share that and extend that awesome. uh, courage as well. Thank so. you, Christy. Thank you. Bill, uh, Bill Laser, who invited her, told me after the last service the, the, that uh, he'd invited like a dozen other yoga teachers too, uh, and that Christine was the first to come. He just keeps on inviting. He just keeps on inviting. Uh, and friends, the, 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 big, the big picture of this story is that we invite for, for the sake of people encountering Jesus. This is a great place to invite people to. And many of you have. This is a great place because we, we build these services every single week. We're just trying to get barriers out of the way so people can encounter God. Some people for the first time. Some people for the thousandth time. And yet, there are lots of ways that people can encounter Jesus. We have groups where people meet. Maybe someone would feel more comfortable coming to your group. Maybe they just jump in on Rooted. 
Maybe it's a coffee that you take them to. Maybe it's dinner at your house. They come from a broken family with not good family dynamics, and so they encounter Jesus in your home. Maybe it's out at the beach, in the water, and you're able to live in such a way that that's, they, they encounter God out there, and so you meet them there. Maybe it's to the chili van. They, they wanna, they'd rather see faith in action, serving people, and so you take them there, or to tutoring at Pacific Court or in Oakview, where you see people pouring their lives into others who are less fortunate, just, just, just loving people where they are, and maybe that's the place where they intersect and they see this, this is a God, this is the God that I've been looking for. The key is to invest in the relationship, in the person, and to invite it gets more difficult in our culture and the older we get and we get set in our routines and we go about our patterns and our ways and we don't intersect with as many people maybe as we used to. Will you be intentional about looking for ways that you can invest in the lives of others, not because you have an agenda that you're bringing behind you, but just because you, want it. you love them and you want them to know the hope that you have? I want to close out this story when Jesus saw Nathanael, remember Nathanael, the one who said, from Nazareth, could anything good come from Nazareth? The next verse, verse 47, says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Verse 48, how do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Friends, when we talk about inviting people to intersect, to connect, to see who this generous, loving God is, we're inviting them to come and see a God who already sees them. A God who knows where they are, what they're going through, what their fears and insecurities and concerns are, a God who already saw you before you ever showed up in church, before you ever prayed a prayer in your car, before you ever had the courage to trust, to release, to let go. A God who sees you, a God who knows you, a God who changes everything. That's why we invest in the lives of others, just because we want to invite them to know this God, to know the hope that we have. God, we thank you that you do change, that we are all on a journey. Some of us here this morning for the very first time, some of us like Christine having just recently encountered this God who takes away the fear and the shame and the anxiety and the things that we hold on to. Others of us that have been walking with you for a long time, but we, we all ask this morning that you would give us eyes to see you, the God who sees us, and then willing hearts to invest in the lives of others and to help them see you too. Give us courage to follow you in that. In Jesus' name.